Good news. Microbiologists are finally decoding eczema, finding that nearly all people with eczema have a bacterial imbalance. Gladskin Eczema Cream with Microbalance is leading the change in transforming the world of eczema by providing relief from itch and redness, often within days, and moisturizes while rebalancing the skin microbiome. It's really a new and unique approach that's already been a proven solution for eczema relief in Europe for five years. It's different from steroids and traditional over-the-counter moisturizers because they don't rebalance the skin microbiome. What's worse, they contain preservatives, which kills all the bacteria, bad and good. Without good bacteria, your skin microbiome is actually weaker and more vulnerable. Instead, GladSkin works with the nature of your skin, not against it. It simultaneously moisturizes and restores balance to the skin microbiome to quickly relieve eczema, itch, and redness. GladSkin works smarter, not stronger, making it safe for everyone three months and older to apply twice daily, even in the absence of flares. It can be used proactively to keep eczema under control and can't be overused. It's free of steroids, fragrances, preservatives, and drying alcohols. It is clinically proven to reduce eczema, itch, and redness, has no drug side effects, and has been clinically tested, is hypoallergenic, dermatologists recommended, and accepted by the National Eczema Association. You can get it shipped right to your door at us.gladskin.com. That's us.gladskin.com. A 1.7-ounce bottle is $35, and it's backed by the Gladness Guarantee. Love it or your money back. So try it today and help relieve that mad skin with Gladskin. Listeners can use promo code MPU20 to get 20% off their order. That's MPU20. 20 to get 20% off. And folks, I have bad eczema, but they sent me a bottle and the stuff does work. I can attest to that. So go buy it. to the macabre podcast universe <laughs> this is of course the podcast that takes film franchises and we go through them one movie at a time and we exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals today it's me micah and me jordan and our good friend uh maybe the sam to our frodo or the frodo to our sam grayson phelps <laughs> thanks so much for saying that thank you happy to be here <laughs> And today is very special because we are kicking off what our patrons have chosen as our following series. We've just finished up uh, The Hunger Games on a very dour note because they were the last two movies were complete piles of trash. And now we're getting into one of the most influential movies ever made and something that's very near and dear to all three of our hearts, I believe. Yes. True. True. Yes, True. So I just want to say thank you for picking this one and not Johnny English to the patrons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a close Very, call. <laughs> it was too... It was- uh, unbelievably too close <laughs> so i am uh very I, this is the series i hope would win all along so i'm very happy to be doing it i was hoping it was going to be this or back to the future and it went down to this or back to the future so yeah. i'm very excited about this um grayson do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about your relationship with the lord of the rings 
Oh man, I grew up um, always pretending to be Aragorn. Um, nice. Oh, that's a guy, classic, of course. Um, yeah. Played all the video games. Never saw any of them in theaters. Uh, I was a little too young, I think. Um, but I remember my parents getting the deluxe box set um, on like DVD, books? and it was just that massive unit um, <laughs> that had like four discs in it. Um, uh huh. Yeah, and I just I, I grew up watching them all the time. Yeah, and you, uh, for those who don't know. I announced that this was the winner of our Patreon, and Grayson like tweeted at us and was like, "You have to put me on." So, and here we are. Here we are. Love with it. Grayson. So, Jordan, what about you? We we this this series is very actually near and dear to Jordan and I's heart. It's part of the reason why we're in love. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I saw this movie first on VHS. Uh, my parents bought it on VHS. Um, I remember immediately just being like this is the greatest thing i will ever see in my life and i was also very scared of the orcs though i don't think i like they had i don't think they had to stop the movie but it was like a are you guys okay just a little check-in yes definitely (laughs) but from here on out i would play lord of the rings at recess every day and for (laughs) for me it was um sam was my favorite character uh i really felt like i identified with him but i also think that he was my first celebrity crush without knowing it because i was sure i was pretty young (laughs) but but i like definitely was like i love sam Mm -hmm. so much (laughs) and so then in fourth grade Mike and I are in Mrs. Shea's class. Well, actually, let me jump okay, in. Okay, fine. And because um, I'll I'll get to fourth grade, then you take okay. back over. So these, you know, this movie came out in two thousand one, and then in two thousand two, the Two Towers was in theaters in the winter. Yeah. And my family had been hearing like these movies were getting a lot of buzz, and so my dad rented Fellowship of the Ring, and he's like, "Let's watch this movie," and we watch it, and it got to the scene. When um, Sauron is making the Urukai at the end, mm-hmm. and I was so scared, I started crying a little bit. <laughs> and I had to go. So I'm a first grader, you know. Oh, yeah. So I had to go to, or no, I guess I'd have been a second grader because it was 2002 um, when we saw yeah. this. Uh, and so I went to bed, didn't finish it. But then it must have been like that summer or something because I saw Return of the King in theaters Yeah. Uh, for my birthday. And I and by the time I saw that movie, so in less than a year, I got over my fear and watched Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers probably 10 to 20 times each before I saw Return of the King. So I'm not sure how that timeline works out, but that's what that's what happened to me. And then flash forward to fourth grade. So in fourth grade, Mike and I were Mrs. Shea's class. We uh, the seating chart was we were sitting next to each other. And uh, Micah and I soon discovered our love for Lord of the Rings, a mutual <laughs> love. And not only that, but I, from my memory, Micah did an incredible Smeagol or Gollum. <laughs> what was that? Thunder? Yeah, baby. Whoa. That sets the long. mood. That's a, this is perfect. Um, so, yeah, he did a wonderful Gollum impression. And from there on out, it was just like super good friends in fourth grade. Because from then on, Micah and I never had another class together. Yeah, and then we didn't really become <laughs> friends until after high school after that. And then um, it, you'll remember this, Grayson, uh, your dad at our wedding, Jordan, yeah. your dad, he, he, he had the most hilarious speech. And he said, he said, you know, Micah and Jordan met and they, they started liking each other because they'd both read Lord of the Rings. He, he was mistaken by that. We hadn't read them at that point. But he goes, 
And then he goes, so, um, and I guess Micah was really good at doing a, a Gollum impersonation. So, you know what I'm telling you guys? You're trying too hard. <laughs> Got a big laugh. And, you know, you and I also read the books together. Oh, yeah. So we're we we're into we're into Lord of the Rings and we love the movie. So that's kind of the background of our relationship. Yeah. As it pertains to this movie. So um why don't you just jump into some production notes? Okay. So this movie, well, this franchise is directed by Peter Jackson. And uh other works that he has done before this was Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, Dead Alive, Heavenly Creatures, The Frighteners. I don't think I've seen any of these movies. I just know that he is kind of a weird horror guy. Yeah, and like these, like these creature are... feature stuff. And the whoa, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, folks, we have thunder. Sauron himself is trying to stop this recording. <laughs> Sauron? No, because Sauron sends the oh, the yeah, storm yeah, yeah. to Caradhras. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he did. He did these weird, like gory like sex-filled x-rated um puppet movies mm-hmm. which is is really interesting i remember as a kid i, I couldn't when I found reconcile that, out, that i was so bummed yeah. especially to i mean being a, a kid who grew up in going to a christian school and like grow up growing up going to church and then like your dad redo the hobbit and tells you about these stories and it's like yeah this guy was a christian like J.R. tolkien's a christian and this is a lot of (laughs) christian themes in this and of course as a kid you're just like oh of course peter jackson's a christian (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it actually that makes no sense so when i found that out i was like what yeah and (laughs) and um but when when you look at the movies through that lens you do see that influence come through Mm -hmm. and you see why he had this obsession with making king kong yeah and all of these things start to make a little more sense when you look at him through that lens yeah have either of you been able to uh go back into his catalog and watch some of those movies since then or i still haven't i've just kind of forgotten that he's made other movies yeah especially i think when the hobbit came out yeah and i was just like oh i'm done (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i just kind of like forgot and didn't really care yeah but i think he might have directed a movie i could be wrong about this might not be him but that girl from uh the first uh, season of castle rock like the main girl Uh who kind of has that high voice yeah um she i believe is from new zealand and she was in really? a movie with in this movie, and it sounds like a psychological thriller that sounds pretty interesting, actually. And he might have directed it. And I kind of want to okay. watch that one. Okay. I forget what it's called, but... Well, it's one of those movies you just listed. It would it be, be one heavenly. of those. No, yeah, I'm not it's even going to say Heavenly Creatures. Oh, is that it? That's it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it okay. sounds like a, an obsession-type movie. Oh, those are always fun. doesn't look fun, but it looks interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This is this the series? Could I just say like produced? These people produced. The yeah, whole yeah, yeah. So it's produced by Barry M. Osborne, Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, Tim Sanders. The screenplay is by Fran Walsh, uh, who has also worked on Meet the Feebles. What? Yeah, she's she. Fran Walsh is like Peter Jackson's um, partner. Oh, so okay. She's she's been with him since I think his second feature. Yeah. So it makes sense that she's on board with this movie as well. Same with Philippa Boyens. Yeah. And then Peter Jackson also is uh, credited on the screenplay. And the music is by Howard Shore, who has previously done Aviator 7, Spotlight, The Game, and a lot of other very famous movies. Um, I mean, sideline for the score. I mean, come, come on, on about the score to this movie. Yeah. I was ashamed. It's like, it is. Go ahead. Uh, I was ashamed when I realized I didn't know his name until um, like last week. 
Really? Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Because I feel like I, I mean I, I feel like I've just always just it's always been like a great score, and I haven't really given it proper credit in the past. I don't think, but man, go Howard Shore. Put some respect seriously. on the name. Yeah, <laughs> it it's one of those scores too that's like as iconic as Star Wars. Oh, I yeah. would argue. Wait, didn't didn't he recently do a movie that we covered that was not a good movie? Didn't he do a I think he Twilight did. movie? I well, there's also James Newton Howard. Oh, that's which I always get them that's mixed up. Never yeah, mind. that's not him. Because it was whoever it was, it was that guy, and we were like, "Oh, he really phoned it in for this." Movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then cinematography is Andrew Lesney, who has also done *Rise of the Planet of the Apes* and the rest of Jackson's filmography. Also, *Babe, Pig in the City*. Yeah. And this which movie- is a which is a George Miller movie. The guy who made *Mad Max* yeah. did *Babe, Pig in the City*, <laughs> which is just wild, but <laughs> actually makes a lot of sense when you watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is also edited by John Gilbert. The production companies are New Line Cinema and Wingnut Films. Is that Peter Jackson's? I think company? it is. And then distributed by New Line Cinema. Yes. Is that what you got? That's what I have. For right okay, now. so now I'm tapping in. The movie comes out the 20th of December, 2001. So this is the same year as Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Crazy. Which is, this is a crazy year for fantasy. Was Harry Potter in the summer, though? I don't remember. I believe it was November. So oh, wow. th- these are probably like playing at the same time. Yeah. Um, the what a th- time to be alive. <laughs> the theatrical version is 178 minutes. The extended version is 208 minutes. Love it. A lot of extra time in there. And it shows, baby, in a good way. <laughs> and of course, if you're listening to this podcast, beside uh, the Hobbit movies, we're doing the theatrical versions. But the Lord of the Rings, it has to be the extended editions i don't even believe that there are theatrical versions anymore no it's too pivotal yeah um so the budget of this movie grayson you want to take any guesses at the budget oh um i'm gonna say 100 million 93 million yeah nice and i want to try and put that into perspective folks we have talked about avengers endgame which is a movie jordan and i both love the budget of that movie is well over 200 million it's like close to 300 dang look at the fellowship of the ring and, and that's go, not including infinity war i think it is combined they were like 350 okay but look at the fellowship of the ring and go wait this movie looks that good and it's 93 million it looks better than endgame oh yeah by a lot actually even though i love that movie yeah it's crazy uh domestically the movie makes 315 and a half million dollars Worldwide, it makes eight hundred eighty-seven thousand, almost eight hundred eighty-eight uh, million. I'm sorry, million. So yeah, three hundred so. three hundred million domestic, almost nine hundred million worldwide. And so here's how this all happened. Peter Jackson saw Ralph Bakshi's animated movie, Lord of the Rings. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen that. Have you? No. Grayson, have you seen that one? No. Yeah, there's like an animated uh, animated movie of it. Interesting. And that came out in 1978, and then in 1995, Jackson saw that it may be possible to pull this movie off because he saw Star Wars in 93. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Which famously like really pushes the boundaries yeah. for CGI. Yeah. And so he's like, maybe we could actually pull this thing off. And then originally, he pitched an adaption of The Hobbit and two movies based on The Lord of the Rings. Wow, hmm. Okay. And then 
Jackson was offered King Kong, and the distribution rights for Lord of the Rings got really convoluted. Like, somebody didn't have them, and somebody did, and it wasn't going to work out. So he's like, I want to do King Kong first. Lord of the Rings gets scrapped. Well, then, in 97, King Kong is canceled because uh, they're having problems with locations. Hmm. So then, he gets back with partner um, Walsh, Fran Walsh, and they begin working on uh with he who shall not be named which is the you if you want to look up he who shall not be named it's the guy who used to run miramax and is a very bad bad person that's H-W. in jail now. yeah but from the here on <laughs> in the podcast we're just gonna call him he who shall not be named because i don't want to give him the credit of saying his name yeah even the um, initials <laughs> <laughs> even the initials is a little too much grayson but um he uh so Jackson and Walsh come to him and they start working on a treatment. And so this is the original treatment for the movie. This would have been the movie in 97-ish. The first film would have dealt with what would become the Fellowship of the Ring, the Two Towers, and the beginning of the Return of the King. <laughs> Ending Whoa. with Sauron's death and Gandalf and Pippin going to Minas Tirith. In this treatment, Gwahir and Gandalf visit Edoras after escaping Sauron. Gollum attacks Frodo when the Fellowship is still united, and Farmer Maggot, Glorfindel, Radagast, Eladan, and Elrohir are present. Bilbo attends the Council of Elrond, Sam looks into Galadriel's mirror, Sauron is redeemed before he dies, and the Nazgul just make it into Mount Doom before they fall. Huh. What? (laughs) (laughs) But we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> and originally that was going to be budgeted at 75 million Jeez. Wow. to do all wow. of sure. that. Wow. <laughs> so then in 97 they do another draft which would have been still two movies. So they're still like looking to adapt these as two movies, which I think is really interesting when we look at it through the lens of the movies Everyone's we've been trying covering. trying to stretch things out. Everybody's, they're trying to condense it. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they're trying to condense it, and then Marty Katz, who's one of the producers, visits New Zealand, and he reports that the film's going to cost $150 million Hmm. to do both of them. And Miramax is unable to finance, so they decide to merge those two movies into one movie. Jeez. Gosh. And uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named's brother suggests that they cut Bree, cut Battle of Helms deep, use or lose Sauron, make Rohan and Gondor the same, shorten Rivendell and Moria, among other things, and Jackson's like, Oh my no. God. Yeah, not a chance, dude. And I want a sidebar here. Uh, this speaks to like a problematic, besides those people at Miramax who are like bad people, if you look up some stuff, they are like notorious for trying to cut movies up. Yeah. And they have a good... Like, they didn't do that with Quentin Tarantino's movies. But, for example, Hayao Miyazaki tried to, um, like, he was doing the distribution rights to Princess Mononoke. Yeah. And um, they wanted to cut a bunch of stuff. There's an ant on your thing. There's an ant on my thing? Yeah, we were attacked by ants before we started recording. It's fine. You're fine. Um, So, Princess Mononoke, Hayao Miyazaki's looking to distribute it in the U.S. And uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named is saying, okay, we have to make all these cuts. And Hayao Miyazaki sends a sword to America <laughs> with the message that says, no cuts. <laughs> I love that story so much. <laughs> me too. It it's just it adds, it adds to the mystique of Hayao to me. Totally. Just like, oh my they, gosh, that is yeah. such a power move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, another 
a fantastic director, Bong Joon-ho, he gets the distribution rights for Snowpiercer, and he who shall not be named says, yeah, let's let's cut all of this stuff. And he's like, you're ruining the movie. They do a test screening, and audiences don't like the movie. Yeah. Snowpiercer's a great movie, but um, he, he's doing all these cuts, and then finally, uh, Bong Joon-ho just starts lying and saying that certain things in the movie are about his dad and stuff like that. So that he can have like a cohesive story. Like it's dedicated to his dad and it's in his memory. So he can't cut these things. Yeah. Um, so basically, he's no good, very bad. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't work with Miramax. Well, maybe you can now. Maybe they're better. I don't know. I, don't I think know. they're out of business, actually. That would make sense. <laughs> so then they get a meeting with Mark Odesky and Robert Shea at New Line Cinema. And they they respond to the pitches. Why are you doing two movies? Why not three? Yeah. So they're the reason that this gets extended to three. Nice. And they claim um, there's kind of a misnomer that they saw, like like they were like, oh, it's three books, let's do three movies. But they've further um, said that that wasn't the reason they extended it. They just saw dollar signs for three releases. That's funny because it's not really stretching it. No, not at all. That's funny. Um. So then they hired famous Tolkien illustrators, Alan Lee and John Howe, to help with concept art. There were 1,800 Hobbit feet used for the four main Hobbits throughout production. Gimli makeup is four and a half hours every day. Poor man. (laughs) Uh, Principal photography for the stream movies, because if you don't know, listener, this is a joint production. So they filmed all three movies at one time. Uh, it's 438 days from October 11th, oh. 1999 to December 22nd, 2000. And the first scene they shot was the wooded um, road where they are gathering the mushrooms and the Nazgul really? comes. That's the first scene they shot in the movie. Um, and then during the first month, well, actually, you're going to cover that in actors, so I'm not going to say that. Each movie had a full year time for post-production. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's a different editor for every movie so that they could oh, streamline yeah. it and get it done. Um, the production began on 1997. And then let's take a break from hearing my voice and let's talk about some actors. Okay. So first and foremost, we have Elijah Wood who plays Frodo. Um, he has been around a lot before this, although I like this is what he's most known for now. And he's your guy, right, Grayson? I love Elijah, man. He's so great. I mean, my the biggest thing of his that I've loved is Wilfred. Yeah. You're like the only person I know that's seen that. It's I just, still haven't uh I know I don't know anybody else either. I and I've, I've just never been able to discuss it with anybody. It's a great show. It's so great. I just great. love that he after doing all of this, this is kind of da- Daniel Radcliffe was an, is similar, but he, Elijah Wood decided to get into horror movies and weird comedies. It's interesting. That's an interesting, interesting career path to follow. Yeah, for and sure. I think it's totally worked in his favor. I watched what was this movie? What was it called? I don't remember, but it's just some movie on Netflix, like an indie movie that's not like a couple years old with the girl from Castle Rock. <laughs> um, and it is just like balls to the walls weird of a movie, and he is so funny in it, and he's like this like weird white guy that's really into asian culture nerd kind of guy Uh that just wants to fight people are you talking about (laughs) i don't feel at home in this world anymore yes yeah baby yeah that's a great good (laughs) movie oh yeah but it was just it's just also very odd yeah it's a very odd movie um anyway so one of his first credits is back to the future part two 
what he he doesn't have a name like his credits like something boy wow. he must just be like out in the the streets or something yeah. when he's hovering. i think he's like a skateboard boy or something like that <laughs> no i might be wrong way. i didn't write down Dude, exactly what it was that's awesome but then he's also in a movie that i watched so many times as a kid the adventures of huck finn loved that movie he's adorable in it he's also as a kid child actor in the good son with macaulay culkin that's the movie where Macaulay Culkin's like uh, a psychopath. And uh, I, I, from my memory, I haven't seen the whole thing, but like Elijah Woods trying to like get, get him to stop doing bad things. Oh, very you weird. Me about movie. that movie. Um, he's also in flipper. Oh, and then oh yeah. The movie he did before Lord of the Rings was chain of fools, which I'd never heard of. Mm-mm. Um, Okay, then we have Ian McKellen who does Gandalf. All I wrote down was X-Men, which he did the year before this movie. So X-Men came mm. out in 2000. Okay. Um, and then Orlando Bloom. Well, we ha- if we're talking about Ian McKellen, Grayson, take it away. What's his best role? I'm not December I, <laughs> December 2019. I can't I can't, man. It's depressing. He was in Cats. We all know oh. <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen the Knight is in Cats. Um, and man, I just think about that scene of him singing about the end of an artist's career or whatever. And it just felt oh, like yeah. the heaviest felt thing I've ever real. consumed. Yeah. I, uh, that was cause we saw that movie together and it was like, this is so funny. I was just laughing. <laughs> it was so great. And when it got to that scene, I was, I was very sad. It's not funny it anymore. Depressing. Yeah. <laughs> or afterward really it just kind of dam- put a damper on the rest of the experience for me just like seeing ian mckellen in that role oh man <laughs> pretty funny um okay so then we have orlando bloom who plays legolas uh lord of the rings is the beginning of his career um he doesn't really have much things before this well, when um, did black hawk down come out 2001 oh so same year and then pirates of the caribbean the black pearl came out in 2003 okay um Okay, so that's Orlando Bloom. And then we have Sean Bean, who plays Boromir. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a ton of stuff uh, prior to this. But I saw that he's in a, a, this like TV movie series where three movies came out a year for three years. And they're all classified as TV movies. So it's not like a miniseries mm-hmm. of Sharps. It's like Sharps Gold, but it's everything Sharps something else. And it looks like some British major, like in the army. That's probably like, it cool. Like it could be during the Spanish War. Like a BBC kind of show? Yeah, something like that. And then that might be worth checking out. I wrote down, don't say a word. I don't know. Maybe that was right before this Lord of the Rings, but also a national treasure and Game of Thrones, of course. Yeah. That's Sean Bean. And then Sean Astin, your guy, my guy, is also in a lot of things. He's in Rudy, he's the titular Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's also in Encino Man. Oh yeah, with Polly Shore and uh, Brendan Fraser <laughs> and Brendan Fraser. What a what cast! A cast. Yeah. Oh get them back God. together. <laughs> get them. Get the boys back together. <laughs> I also saw, which I thought was interesting, is he does voice acting in Kingdom Hearts, the video game. He plays Hercules. Very. I, I cool. noticed that a couple of months me. ago, which I didn't realize. Did you really? Yeah. Um, I also noticed that the guy who plays Gimli has also done a lot of voice acting for Kingdom oh, Hearts. Oh, that that makes Pretty sense. Cool. I love John, that. Yeah. John Reese Davies. Yeah. Um, and then he's also in Stranger Things, of course. Um, that was a great role for him. And it then was. His, yes. He's in Goonies. You didn't mention Goonies. I'm not done. Oh. I, I was whoops, about to say whoops. his breakout role, Goonies. Done. Okay. <laughs> and then Kate Blanchett, who plays Gladriel, 
She's in Talented Mr. Ripley, Eyes Wide Shut. Is that true? Because it's in she's her in filmography. Eyes Wide Shut? I was going to ask you about that. I do not remember her in that. I wonder if that's not correct. Was she wearing a mask? Was I, she, was I she don't in know. the, the big I couldn't, scene? I couldn't find her in the pictures, so I'm not sure. But I just wanted to write it down because it was interesting. Okay. Whether or not it's true. She's also in Bandits. She's also in Thor Ragnarok. She's in Blue Jasmine. She's in everything. And she's Ocean's great. 8. Okay. Okay, <laughs> then we have Billy Boyd, who plays Pippin. This is also early on in his film career. And a lot of, it looks like a lot of his film credits are more British stuff. Not not anything I've ever heard of in like a mm. lot of TV shows. But he's also in Seed of Chucky. Oh. I think he does some voice acting. That's cool. I always love when someone's a voice actor too. Yeah, but in the Chucky series? Sure. Yeah. These guys are all into um Creature horror. features. Yeah. Um, okay. That's probably why they wanted to work with Peter Jackson. Yeah, maybe. So then we have <laughs> Ian Holm who plays Bilbo. Apparently he is in Ratatouille. Cool. He's also in Brazil, the Terry Gillum movie. Cool. He's in Fifth Element. He's also in From Hell, which is that Jack the Ripper movie with Johnny Depp. Oh, okay. Okay, and then we have Christopher Lee, who plays Saruman. He's in Star Wars Attack of the Clones, Episode 2, which came out a year, or two years. The, uh, they'd come out the year following this. The year following this. Yeah, it's Count Dooku. Um, he's also in uh, Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate, or, yeah, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I always get it mixed up. He's a, so he's later on in his career kind of a, ter, a Burton guy because he's also in Corpse Bride. He's also in Alice in Wonderland. He's in Dark Shadows. He's oh, he also does Kingdom Hearts. No voice way. Acting. Yeah, maybe it's not the other guy. Maybe it's just him. Okay, and then you still with us, Grayson? Yeah, baby, I'm here. Okay, just making sure. I'm just trying to plow through this. Well, <laughs> l- let me just say about Christopher Lee. What a, a cool thing about him is throughout his life he's been like a big like schlocky horror guy. Like, throughout yeah. time. So it makes sense that someone like Peter Jackson is like, I want Christopher Lee in this. And then come to find out Christopher Lee read read the books every year and was just waiting for someone to make these movies. Yeah. They're his favorite books. Wow. And apparently, Jackson was, like, pretty... Like, he was pretty particular about his directing and how people delivered lines, but he was, like, the person that he didn't really have to, like, direct him. Really? Because he just knew what to do with that character. Because he'd read the book so well. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's so great. And then we have Dominic Monaghan, who is Mary. He's in Lost. He's also in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. and Like, two scenes in Rise of Skywalker. And Lord of the Rings is also early on in his career, so he doesn't have much before this. Mm-hmm. And then we have Vigo Mortensen. Mor- oh, yeah. my guy. So um, I like to say, looking at his IMDb and looking at pictures, he has Hollywood's best chin. Oh, man. Oh, easy. You're making that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, that's I'm with undisputed. you, Jordan. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful chin. He's yeah. got Hollywood's best a lot of things. Let's True. put it that way. Um. So he's in Eastern Promises. Uh, oh, yeah. 28 Days, which I believe came out a year before Fellowship. 28, 28 days. days that's the one with sandra bullock i think she's an alcoholic that's why it's okay. called 28 days um he is in the gus van sant psycho oh yeah he's also in hildalgo anyone that is yeah. around our age is very excited about that, that. was my uh, my first ever pg-13 movie in theaters really yeah. oh oh yeah and I it was a good one movie. man i love that movie yeah i bet that that movie holds up i bet oh, so too. I bet that was a cool too. movie yeah it's intense is it on disney plus that's a disney movie right i don't know Maybe it's not. To look it up later. Let's watch it. <laughs> okay, he's also in the road that Cormac McCarthy book. Oh yeah. Um, and he's in Green Book. 
where he won an Oscar for oh. going, bada bing, give it a sandwich. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Pretty interesting. <laughs> or movie. did he win an Oscar? I don't know if he, he might have. Mahershala, Mahershala didn't win one. Mahershala did. Oh, okay. And you know what is insane, people? If you haven't seen Green Book, it is like a travesty of film. It's so horrible. But what's crazy is Mahershala Ali wins an Oscar for a movie, and he didn't even learn how to play the piano. Which <laughs> when, I think when is Ryan crazy. When Ryan Gosling learned how to play a piano for La La Land. Yeah. He learned it in like six weeks. And not only and that, special, Green Book yeah. wins Best Picture, and it's a famous true story about like... Um, racism yeah when the savior black Klansman came out and i would argue <laughs> uh shattered barriers in a lot of ways and did not win yeah absolutely crazy and, well in in green book when maharshala is playing the piano you can tell that they like you can see the effect of the person that's like it's very weird there's like this weird jittery effect on his head you can tell it's <laughs> fake and then also, that movie is worse than Bohemian Rhapsody, which is saying something. Let me tell you what. And they came out in the same year. Bohemian is a better movie, for sure. Wow, that's a bold st- I mean, statement. I mean, Green that's Book is bad. It is bad. Um, okay, I'm almost done. John, John Reese davies He is... Okay, so he's in a lot of stuff. So I, I just didn't want to write down everything. I wrote down two things that I thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. He does uh, voice acting in the Dune video game. Mm-hmm. And he also plays Man Ray in SpongeBob, the TV show. Very cool. And he's in Indiana Jones and the um, oh, Raiders duh. of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I didn't feel like scrolling through everything. Yeah. Okay. And then we have Liv Tyler, who plays <laughs> Arwen. She's in Armageddon. There's too many people. A lot of her start comes from being in Aerosmith music videos because of Papa. And then she's also <laughs> in Empire Records and That Thing You Do. Oh yeah. yeah! Oh yeah! I love her role in. We've that talked movie. about her. Yeah, because she's in the Incredible Hulk. That's our second episode. Oh, then why we've am I talked wasting about her. time on her? Okay, so then she's great. <laughs> Nothing against Liv Tyler. This is just taking up a lot of time. Okay, so then last person, Hugo Weaving. All I wrote down was Matrix and V for Vendetta. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, couple more things, um, and then I have some other stuff. I'll just intersperse them as we go through the plot. Um, so. This movie was nominated for 13 Academy Awards. Best Picture, which it lost to A Beautiful Mind. Uh, Best Director, which it lost to Ron Howard. Best Adapted Screenplay, which it lost to A Beautiful Mind. Best Supporting Actor for McKellen, didn't win. Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing. Uh, Best Original Song, Best Sound, but it did win. Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Original Score, and Best Visual Effects. I don't know, Beautiful Mind won that many awards. Yeah. And that's a good movie. It is good. We've talked about Ron Howard on this podcast before. He's the master yeah, of the we mediocre. Don't need to dive into it again. Um, but let's talk about the movie now. <sighs> okay, good. Let's get into <laughs> it. I'm sorry that it took so long, Grayson. I don't know if you're regretting uh, coming oh, in no, on the first I was, episode. I, I was looking forward to listening to all all of that information. Yeah. But first let good. me let I'm, me ask you guys how you how you consumed it last night. Did you you watched it last night, right? Yes. yes, we did. What what, Jordan, in what way did you watch it? We watched. We inserted the the DVD into our Blu-ray player, even though the disc that we have is not Blu-ray. So it wasn't we DVD. Turned on the TV. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. But okay. we have the the Blu-rays ordered. We should have them on Friday. So from here on out, we'll have watched okay. the Blu-ray. But the Very DVD cool. actually looked pretty good. 
Oh yeah. yeah, they're good transfers. Yeah. yeah. So we Chloe and I watched um we borrowed the set from my parents maybe like three or four months ago and we watched we did DVD for those, but last night we uh we streamed it. Oh. You streamed it. Which was my, my first time um not not watching it on DVD. Where did you oh. stream it from? Where's it on? Uh, I rented it on Apple TV. Oh nice. I see nice. what you're saying. Now. Yes. Cool. I get it. Yeah. Um Yeah, and and uh so th- this this movie for me is like as iconic as Star Wars, I would say. Um, in that, when I watch this movie, any of these three movies, and any of the original Star Wars movies, I just think to myself like every scene, every line, everything. To maybe I just have a warped perspective, but it feels like every single thing is a game changer in cinema history. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. It's hard to think that like, it's like, when do you think this would ever happen again? And yeah. the, like the only movies that would come to mind to me are like Harry Potter and like the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like you, obviously you can't like go into something thinking it's going to be the best thing in the world. This is something that over time it has yeah. become so classic and learning all of the effects that they invented for these movies is right. like, of course this is going to be timeless. Right. It's yeah. insane. I so Grayson, what did what did you think? We're almost twenty years away from this movie. Like its twentieth anniversary is next year. Yeah. How do you feel about the visual effects? Looking at them, uh, just as of yesterday. Oh, I I mean, you know, there's 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 parts. I can't think of anything specifically right now. I mean, some of it feels dated to me, but most of it is yeah. incredibly effective. I think. Yeah. yeah. I. I about the time we got through the Mines of Moria, I thought to myself, like, there's been maybe like two or three effect shots that like could probably get improvement. Otherwise, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure there's little things that like if Weta, the company that did this, and w- they they started this was their first project, Weta Digital, and they would go on to do like Thanos. Um, yeah, these guys are like the forefronts of CGI still today. Yeah, um, I'm sure they'd go back and change some stuff, but for the most part. They did the smart thing where they they really pushed the boundaries, but they never pushed it past what they were actually capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, something that's coming to mind right now is um, that scene when when Bilbo's face kind of shifts when he tries to grab yeah. the ring from Frodo. Like that, I think is objectively like kind of dated, but it's still uh-huh. I yeah. think effective enough. Like it kind of freaked me out when I saw it. It's like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. It that's always pretty scary. Is, same with same me. with Galad- the scene with Galadriel where sh- her face turns like black and she rises up in the light or whatever yeah like also dated but still effective yeah well and and one thing that really works to the advantage of this movie is like like when you look at the backdrops and when it is a fake backdrop which actually is fairly rare considering the scope of this movie right maybe you you see that it looks like painted or fake in the background but considering the epic nature and classical nature of it to me it feels like a painting Absolutely. And, it, and it it actually like adds to the story for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just having like realistic mountains that are made or or something like that. Right. Um. So, folks, you're listening to this podcast, and maybe you're like, "Man, I want to write uh, uh, an epic story, but I have so many rules in this universe to introduce." Here, here's what you do: hire Kate Blanchett to describe the rules of the universe and present the story, because the beginning of this movie is incredible. <laughs> yep. You're thrown when right it's explaining, into it. You're just thrown right into it, and you're explaining all of this stuff. And Kate Blanchett, because she's so good, it it's not boring at all. No. 
and and you're getting all these rules. Oftentimes, this kind of stuff drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. It's like just show me as the story progresses. But there's too much; they have to they just have do to, it all yeah. up front. Oh yeah, and I love I love that it's perfectly. all just in, in a whisper too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like you're sitting around a campfire and she's, she's, she's telling you this epic you tale. In. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we we see. I mean, she's explaining basically the this huge. Oh, no, 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 sorry. She's explaining these rings that have been created that are very powerful. Some are given to dwarves, some are given to elves, some are given to men. And it's with especially... Well, I, I like that she gives a little anecdote for each one, but especially mm-hmm. with men, like right. her mentioning, like, they always want more power. Like, they can never yeah. be satisfied. Right. Love it. Um, and then she goes into mentioning that a dark lord created a ring, in secret, created a ring more powerful than all of them. Yeah. Which sparks this huge war. Yeah. And uh, those effects, especially watching the special effect, the special features uh-huh. and that guy explaining, like, especially for these kinds of shots, he like created artificial intelligence for it, which right. is what is used all the time now. Yeah. But for the computer, each individual that you're looking at is a computer, obviously, but they're like almost in their own individual mind and fighting in their own way. Uh-huh. Right. I know they're inventing this stuff right now. Yeah. And, and, and this is so iconic to me when the orcs attack the elves and they do that swing blade up thing. Yeah. What is oh, that? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. so cool. <laughs> and <laughs> I love it too. When the, you, it, there's a shot of Elrond and the, the, the arrow, arrow whizzes by. by. Come on. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And Sauron's design. It's like as cool as Darth Vader. Easy. Um, it's cooler, Micah. Come on. As cool. As cool. <laughs> Equally <Okay>. cool. <laughs> <laughs> but but we see all, you know, the introduction of everything. And um I'm assuming if you have if you're listening to this, you've probably seen and know the story. So we might not go through every little plot point, but let's go to the Shire now. Well, it's just just to okay. set up like Isildur gets the ring, he loses the ring. Uh-huh. And that's where we're at. Pretty yeah, like yeah. we know that Bilbo had like got it in the Hobbit. That's where we're at. So and then let, let we, me let me ask you guys if you remember um, or if you knew that New Zealand existed before this movie came out. No, <laughs> no, no. And once course, I did that, discover, like, <laughs> it put on the yeah. map. It really did. It he, did. And when I discovered that it was shot in New Zealand, I was like, "When can I go?" And then you like, see absolutely. it on a map, and you're like, "How do you get there?" <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and and speaking to that, um, in, in general, a lot of this movie is shot on location. So when we go to a scene, for example, the scene where they're walking up the mountain, the Caradras, the yep. Fellowship, yep. and Frodo drops the ring, you can see footage there on that mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they went into a studio for the scene where the avalanche happens because they uh, don't want to yeah. kill the actors and crew. Yeah. But they're on a mountain in the snow and like... Like you can tell in that scene, there's no blue screen or green screen. They're, the characters are there, and the backdrop is real. I right. actually was convinced that these were this was uh, shot in Oregon. This yeah. movie, just because like it the, looks like the Mount woods Hood right there. Just yep. from, well, not not the mountain specifically, but like the like the Shire. I'm yeah, just like oh, I live here. <laughs> That's yeah. how it felt. Yeah. Um. So when we get to the Shire, the music plays, which you're going to hear my rendition of before this episode starts, because I added it before. Um, but you hear the doo 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 and And you start crying, like I, me. <laughs> honestly, haven't watched a movie in a couple of years, and I, I'm a little older, been through a little bit more, 
And I was very close to crying just hearing the music and seeing the Shire. Absolutely. Yeah. This I, time. I had the same experience last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, and man. I, I was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Grayson. Oh, no. It's just it just felt like you're coming home a little bit. And it's just like it's just so peaceful and just it invokes such a great amount of emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I was like watching this and I'm just I'm just I l- totally lost my train of thought just now. But I love it. Yeah, it, yeah. it's yeah. The, all of the the set design, the costumes, all of it's just every tiny detail was thought of. Yeah. So it just creates this world that it's like there's no breaking of suspension of disbelief throughout the movie. No. But you watch it and you're like, there are actual hobbits who live in the hills. Yeah. And I want to go there. Absolutely. Well, I'm always thinking like they say that this happened in the third age. Okay, maybe this did happen a long time ago. Let's just not rule out the possibility, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the through great uh shots and narration, this now Bilbo is narrating because he's writing his book. Oh, come you're on. you're introduced to Hobbiton, to the Shire, how how these people live and all they just really want is peace. Yeah. Which is perfect storytelling and writing in terms of like these hot like, you know, in in the book The Hobbit, it is a hobbit who goes on this great quest, which is so out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And then you have Lord of the Rings where another hobbit goes out of the Shire and goes to the most dangerous place possible to save everyone. Yeah. It is such a beautiful story. <laughs> and how how wild is it that The Hobbit is the first book that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote of the Middle-earth things he wrote, and yet they adapted the bigger part of the story first? Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. That, that, that's yeah. kind of odd. Yeah. They, yeah. they took the Star Wars approach. Start with episode four right. instead of episode one. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's just weird because, like, today no one would ever do that because people are too afraid to take any risks when they're adapting material. It's how yeah. it feels. Yeah. Um, and I think this movie is just so perfectly adapted because they know when to cut things and when to change things. Like, walking out of Hunger Games, reading, watching those movies, it's just like, can't you make any differences from the book? Yeah. Like, to make this more visually appealing? Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. And like when I read The Lord of the Rings, it was an amazing experience because it was different and fun things like, oh, Bilbo gives Frodo the ring and a year later they leave for the fellowship. In this movie, why wait a year? Just have them start going yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Like those are easy changes. And mm-hmm. I don't know why people don't do that stuff more nowadays. Cause Probably because of the internet. Fans suck. Yeah. Um, But uh, if anyone was like a huge Lord of the Rings fan and saw this movie in theaters, I would love for you to write to us and tell us what that experience was like. Because yeah. I would imagine you would just be like, oh my gosh, this is fully realized. Yeah. So please do that, folks. But man, the uh, okay, so, the introduction oh. to Gandalf uh, when he's riding <laughs> in, man, oh. and they just have the little quip with Frodo just talking about how wizards are never late or never early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He jumps in for the big hug, but I love, I love the part when the li- the little kids are chasing him, and he just drives yes. by and then shoots off the fireworks, and it's just, it's so great. It's so Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I just like, you know, you like to think, and I think it's true, is, you know, this is this wizard who's been everywhere, and he's pretty much all knowing. Yeah. Yet it's like he's coming into this place, and it's as if you can like see just relaxation all over him. Oh, absolutely. It's like, yeah. In, in a yeah. way, coming home. Like a, an adopted home. And and they they just spend... Peter Jackson is so brilliant. I mean, forget whatever else he does in his life. He did this these three brilliant movies because he spends the first half hour of the movie just hanging out in the Shire. Yep. 
and and they're just they are absolutely like dunking in every scene showing us <laughs> showing us these sets yeah these effects and then these things like like the way the way i mean you gotta watch the special features for these they would they would make sets they'd make two different sets one that was huge and one that was small all ex- identical props at like a one to three you mean ratio small, like miniature no i'm talking like like they would make a set that was really big yeah and then Elijah Wood would walk through the set, play out the scene. Yeah. Then they'd make a set that's really small, and they'd have Ian McKellen go through that same scene. Yeah, 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 okay. And then they combine those two things. They're identical sets, but like a one to three ratio. Yeah. And then it looks like, oh, there's a tiny hobbit who doesn't look weird and digitally unproportional, and a huge wizard. Yeah. And they're I, I remember at the time, like, when I was younger watching it, th- those were the scenes that kind of blew my, my mind the most, especially yes. in Bilbo's house when Gandalf first arrives. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're sitting there like, how did they do this? That's insane. Oh, I know. I couldn't comprehend it. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, I, I think I watched these with my dad, and I was like, oh, is I thought that the hobbits, I thought those actors were that small. Sure. Just, yeah. No, that's how real it looks. Yeah. And, and, um, What's crazy is, so they would do that, and then they would also do these things called perspective mm-hmm. shots, and and they would have them moving and stuff where they would have an actor like Elijah Wood way in the background, and then they'd have Ian McKellen way forward, and they would position the camera. They'd both be, quote, sitting at the same table, yeah. but they'd position the camera so it looks like they're at the same table, but they're actually not. And their eye line, yeah. they just... They're not even looking at each other. I actually remember in the Hobbit special features for the first movie, Uh um, they were showing a shot. I think they're all sitting at one table. And I know it's like all these dwarves and then Bilbo, Mm. but they were like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but the camera moves and the table is not actually a table. Yeah, it's, it's like, like all, all separated and stuff. Yeah. How wild is that? It's so much work. Yeah. But at the same time, and the math. effect is beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Because now they would just do like, well, I guess they wouldn't because at The Hobbit, they did the same thing. Um, they did some of the same things. Yeah. Um, uh, keep going. Sorry. So to fast track. So it's Bilbo's birthday. Huge celebration. We meet Merry and Pippin and we know immediately they're troublemakers. <laughs> yeah. And then uh bilbo disappears with the ring and goes home and he's his plan is to go off to rivendell and finish his book and to like live out the rest of his days and throughout all this we're just seeing little hints of like the obsession that this ring causes yes right very very um, casual yeah very casual but really effective stuff yep and there and the beauty is i mean for a movie so effects ridden they they do not um they just don't overdo it there, there's like so many simple effects to this movie that are so effective. For example, when Bilbo drops the ring on the ground and it thuds and doesn't bounce, mm-hmm. yeah, and it makes that sound. To me, that is one of the most effective like effects in the entire series. Yeah, uh, it blows my mind every time I watch it, and it's anyone can do that. That's such an easy. Yeah, that's just a trick in sound editing. That's all that is. Yeah. Great. Unbelievable. Great. Um, <laughs> so Bilbo leaves the ring and sets off. Frodo, so Gandalf gives Frodo the ring and says, keep it secret, keep it safe. And he goes, He Gandalf leaves to um, research the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during that time, it's just this this feeling of darkness yeah. is closing in everywhere. Yeah. And you see the Knight Riders a little bit. Are we watching this movie again tonight? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you see um, they're at the, the Green Dragon, 
uh, the hobbits. Yeah. And they're all talking about this darkness coming in and this feeling of this foreboding feeling when also right next to them, Frodo, Mary and Pippin are like singing and they're so happy and nothing's wrong. <laughs> right. Cause nothing could touch the Shire. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, yes. Yeah, very, very well done. Um, and then quickly, you know, they don't spend too much time of Gandalf being away. He comes back and with, with his, what knowledge he has of the ring and basically says, Frodo, you have to take it to Rivendell. Or, you know, you have to take it to Bree. Yeah. I will meet you there. I can't... At the prancing pony. I can't accept the ring because I, it will consume me. Yeah, yeah. And, and Frodo tries to give it to him. And then, yes. and then Gandalf straight yeah. up like, don't tempt me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my like, gosh, oh, my gosh. It's so good. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and this, is, this speaks to, like, I, I love Frodo. He's my favorite character. And this is the beginning of seeing how he... I like how this is kind of a twist on not the refusal of the call. Cause like a lot of movies and stories you'll see that they go to a character and they're like, can you do this thing? And they go, no, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But Frodo, it's like a reversal of that where he is given this big burden and he always knows I have to do it. He just doesn't want to. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that scene later in the movie where he says, um, I, I want, I've always wanted to go on these adventures like Bilbo, but now that I'm here, I just wish I was at the Shire. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot believe how much I relate to that feeling <laughs> and how much that line made me want to cry. Yeah. That, yeah that's I a know. heavy hitter, man. That line Be aged real. very well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously. It's too, too real. Yeah. So let's kind of, let's just kind of skip to the hobbits get together. Yeah. They're attacked by the Nazgul. And terrifying. they get to the yes. terrifying. Absolutely the, terrifying. When they're being chased in the forest. In the forest. Oh yeah, I, I just wanted to skip to them at the Prancing Pony. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, so they're there, and then we have one of the coolest introductions ever to a character. There's just a mysterious yeah. man in the corner smoking <laughs> with his big, huge sword. And his, his perfect chin. Perfect chin chin <laughs> and might i add i don't know if you know this grayson but they casted someone else as aragorn oh i forgot to mention that i did not know that did you they casted someone else and a month into filming they were like this guy's too young we need to cast someone else so they call vigo mortensen and he's like okay yeah maybe and he <laughs> his son overhears the conversation and he goes is that for lord of the rings because <laughs> vigo did not know about lord of the rings he, yeah he didn't know Dang. And then he says, he says, Dad, you have to do that. Straight and up. And so he does it. And then not only that, he commits to this movie so hard. He carries his sword around for the entire Everywhere. production. Amazing. Like they go to a and restaurant. It's, it's not a dinky a sword. sword. It's a ranger no, sword. No, it's like a, yeah. It's real. Yeah. It's yeah. a real sword. <laughs> it's a unit. And he does, it's, it's hard to even pick. Because even the people that I'm not even that big a fan of, um, like like Orlando Bloom, I'm not crazy about Orlando Bloom, but his like dreamy, weird um like inflection on the reading of his lines totally adds to the story. Yeah, Which for me. Yeah, like there's not <laughs> a bad performance in these movies. No, right? it's it's so wild. Yeah, it's so perfect. And another thing I'll um, say about the his introduction is, um, I mean that's like the ideal Dungeons and Dragons character, just like the mysterious yes. ranger <laughs> hanging out in the corner of the prancing yeah. pony. You're like, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about Dungeons and Dragons a lot. Oh, yeah. Having watched, uh, you, like, you now having to. played it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so, like, this is just hitting all those points. Yeah. It's so good. That's right. Um, so, so in, in the Prancing Pony, Frodo accidentally puts on the ring, and I love 
the effect. It's incredible. When he when he has the ring on. They they blended like a fire overlay. Yeah. And and um like that's what they actually did, blending fire. It's not actual fire like overlaid, but it's this effect that simulates fire and it distorts everything. It looks incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love Come it. Come on. And and it looks it looks like right away what's cool about them putting on the ring is you you see this other world but the world is not exciting that you're in it's scary right and but you see the advantage of putting on the ring Mm -hmm. so right right away you kind of understand the dichotomy of this ring totally beautiful how do you how do you do that i don't know and i do like the the lore with the ring is you can use it to your will but there it will get to a point where it will be the master of you yeah which is that's the the whole like when boromir really like he really believes that gondor and the men of gondor can take ownership of this ring and use it for i don't know not good i would say but use it to their power but of course it would get to a point where we would consume all of them it would destroy gondor and it would still end up back with sauron yeah because it will always be drawn back to that it's so good it's so good so uh, uh, Strider takes the hobbits under his wing because Gandalf never arrives because he goes to Saruman and Saruman uh, holds him hostage, holds Gandalf hostage, basically to try to bend him to his will because Saruman is now on Sauron's side. Another terrifying scene. This ins- yes. It's, oh, go yeah, ahead. I feel like I'm saying that so much. But, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, that scene is so scary when he just throws Gandalf up in the air and he, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty much just slams his face into the ceiling. It looks like is like what yeah. it alludes to a little bit, you know. Like these wizards are just going at it. It's crazy, crazy. And I love the set design of um, oh, yeah. his tower. I forget it's what it's dark. called. Or think. Okay, yeah. And and that is a real miniature that they built. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, I know that there are parts that are CG, but that that's part of the beauty of this is they they would build these real models. The cave troll. They built a cave troll that's like 14 feet tall, and you can see footage of the guy from Weta Digital scanning it into the computer, who would go on later to be part of the creation of Thanos, which is just so wild to see scanning a troll that Mm. still looks great today to Thanos, one of the like best CG characters I've ever seen. Yeah. Like there's, I'm just blown away by Weta Digital. Those guys are incredible. That troll really did hold up pretty well. Yeah. yeah, there's like a couple of weird things, but it's not it's not even like if I saw that in a movie today, I'd be like, yeah. And if anything, if, it might have been weird only because the lighting might have been a tiny bit off on a certain shot. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's it. But either yeah, way, and, you're not going to want to mess with that thing. <laughs> Still. No, I'm looking at our fridge and we just have like all the characters from Lord of the Rings as magnets on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to so we can go towards what is that so they introduce a scene that's not in the books when they go to that like weather on a hill yeah yeah you said you, it's not in the books is that you know that's in the book ago? no there there's a scene where there's this like creature that attacks them uh that they cut from that's the right. movie that's right which was a good choice because yeah. you're building up to the nazgul fighting them yeah it's awesome so, in the books. yeah but, so they are taken to Weathertop, where yeah like you just said the um ring wraiths find them stab frodo and that's when we are introduced to arwen because she needs to, to take him to rivendell yeah. love her introduction very cool um, i think it's an extended scene when vigo is singing about singing that song it is yeah. um i i love that as the precursor to all to, to her character uh-huh. um but she is like very a very strong character to me i actually think for for a movie 
I don't know for, for a whole series the the women who are characters are actually really strong yeah I don't really have any complaints because it's like of course no there's not women like in the fellowship I don't really care yeah you know but the the women who are there like like Eowyn's very strong too I am no man yeah <sighs> and Galadriel's also very strong yeah and and I what's cool is I I feel like Arwen is not just as in so many other movies, she's not just like the wife that's waiting by. No. Just waiting for the king to return. Right. She is a vital part of the story, and she she saves Frodo. Yes. Aragorn was not going to be able to do it. Yeah. She saves her. Them. The scene of her on the horse. It's so is, intense. It is so intense. It's, yeah. <laughs> and, and that I, branch hits her in the face, and she yeah. starts bleeding. Oh, and dude. then when she gets the... <laughs> we lost it last... I, I hadn't noticed that before for some reason, yeah. but it hit last night. It's just like one little scrape from a twig. You're like, oh my God, badass. <laughs> and yeah. I I can't tell. Is that... was that, Did that happen? I, I can't tell. I don't know. Because I, I don't curious. know how they could have faked that in 2001. I don't know. I was, I was watching that scene. I was curious how, how often um, Liv Tyler was. We were actually seeing Liv Tyler. Well, there she did have the stunt woman on the horse. So I think anytime you aren't seeing her face, it's the stunt woman. That's what woman. I was thinking. Uh, but the effect of when she gets the river to come to sweep him away still looks really good. <laughs> it's really Agreed. cool. Yeah. You're like, man. Yeah. I, yeah even with the horses. Because that would be the thing yeah. that could be cheesy is the waves turning into horses. But... You're just I thinking so that too. is powerful. She summoned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the intense. only kind of wonky thing about that scene is like the horses um getting submerged in the water. That's it. But it's yeah. so quick, yeah. you don't really have time to think about it. Right. Yeah. And and for a movie Okay, so we, you know this, listener, we analyze movies. That's what we love to do. And for a movie that has so much to analyze, it really is hard for me, and I don't want to. I don't try to do this, but like I just have a hard time thinking about the filmmaking because the movie sucks me in so much that all I can think about is a story and characters. I There are still parts where, yes, I'm like, oh, how did they do that, that, whatever. But usually when I watch a movie, that's kind of, all, in a lot of ways, that's what I'm thinking about, like 60%, 50%. Yeah. And this movie, it's like 10, 5%. Because yeah. I'm just always so invested in this story. Yeah. Now they're at Rivendell. Yes. We're almost to the end of Frodo's disc fine. one. Bilbo's there. Bilbo has aged a lot because he no longer has the ring with him. Amazing touch. Yes. Yep. Uh, we are introduced to Elrond, also really cool dude, who is Arwen's papa. Uh, and then... <laughs> His intro admittedly made me giggle because I think he it comes up with like... It's not him in person. It's like oh, a vision of him, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's his face. That's right. And there's yeah. something so say... funny about that actor with the long hair that I just kind of yeah. lost it. That well, effect isn't really great. No, anymore. it's like Flo Frodo kind of floating in like a washed out white, yeah. and the yeah. camera's just like floating around Rivendell. That, and, and all like I hear is on the Mr. Movie. Anderson, <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah. maybe kind of echoey and like ethereal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good point. Um, so let's fast track to the Council of the Ring. I don't think that's exactly yeah. what it's called, but they got like players from all areas they got the dwarves the men the elves and even a hobbit and a wizard scene took five days to shoot really yeah pretty long For complications or just no because they they had to kind of shoot it from like every angle and then and then also like like that scene at the end where they're all standing there and it's like the fellowship of the ring yeah they, they, they shot like a plate with like the um the big actors or the tall the tall characters the hobbits and then put them together that actually that sequence wasn't super hard from what I read, but um, just the whole thing, just having to shoot it 
and focus on Boromir today. Like Boromir and Aragorn and Legolas. And then, you know, just and having to do like that. Such so it took a five pain. days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, scenes flawless. So it was yeah. worth it. No, but this, this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole series when everyone's arguing. Yeah. And then Frodo stands Second time up, I cried in this movie. <laughs> and he says, I'll take the ring. And I'll take the ring. G- to Gandalf Mordor. is so proud, dude. That little smirk. Yeah. But he's so defeated at the same time. Yeah, that's because yeah, he knows. Of it. Right? He's like, man, of course yeah. Frodo would do it, but man, that's a lot. It's and like seeing he's seeing everything that's gonna happen. Yeah, it's yeah. so beautiful. There's it's a lot. Like in I that strive shot. to be like Frodo. I mean, why do you think I named my dog Frodo? It's because of this scene. That's right. Yep. <laughs> um. And then and then he says, I, I I will go, but I do not know the way. Oh. And then and then it's like, Well, you will have my staff and my bow and my axe. <laughs> and then like the fellowship starts. Oh no, then, no, then then no oh, yeah, Sam yeah, yeah, yeah. breaks out and he's like, Oh no, 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 he's not going with me. And Elrond's like, Well, I wouldn't think so. And then Mary Pippin comes jetting out. Yeah. And uh it's so Pippin cute. just one of the funniest lines to this mission quest thing yeah <laughs> yep all right where are we going <laughs> yeah and then it cuts to end of disc one and <laughs> yeah. you're like wow that was pretty it was movie. a pretty funny experience not having to switch over discs last night because i was like that scene comes and i just inherently knew like okay i gotta get yes. ready to like either <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mission or switch disc but it just kept going so we kept watching yeah yeah and Love so it. then they're on the road and the journey begins um and and they're just trying to find the passages. There's the scene with the birds that are flying over. Yeah, from Isengard. Cool. Yeah. Um, Boromir's kind of. You can see him and Pippin and Merry are spending time together, and they're in the same boats later in the movie, which I think makes his ending and death yeah. a little bit more powerful. Yeah. Subconsciously. Totally. Because they're witnessing his death. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh they go to Caradhras, the mountain, which we always already talked about a little bit, but but mention the foot thing. With with Legolas. Oh yeah, Legolas. So when they're all like buried, being buried in snow, Legolas is walking on top of it, um, which I never noticed. And then I read the books and read that uh, elves are very light footed, and then especially in that scene in the book, he is walking on top of the snow. And then it wasn't until like after reading the books and then finally watching this movie again, I was like, "Whoa, they did that!" Yeah. I like never noticed that they inserted that into the movie. So it's in this point that uh gimli mentions that going through the mines of moria well he mentions it before but at this point it's like we need to make a decision and i love that gandalf was like it is frodo's decision because he's the ring bearer right right and he chooses mines of moria Mm -hmm. and so we go there and we'll just cut to well there is the great scene where frodo figures out the riddle to the door as being uh wait what's friend and elvish yeah. which is cool because bilbo did the riddles with Gollum, and so you just think that oh, yeah. like he probably grew up with riddles yeah. yeah and so he for him to think of that is such a cool character trait yeah and him to kind of like beat gandalf is fun i love that um sad to really sam sorry sam is really sad to let go of bill the horse bill the pony the pony yeah it, yeah cute um but th- this is maybe the only thing i can think of so far in the series that i think is i don't think it's bad by any means just dated i think it's just a weird adaption choice that in the books gimli and everyone knows that the mines of moria have been destroyed and the orcs are there so the whole time they don't want to go there because they already know it's bad 
But I'm not sure why they made that choice to where they show up and Gimli's like, woohoo, my cousin's going to be here. Yeah. And then, and then they realize it. Yeah, because it makes me wonder, like, what has Gimli been doing this whole time? Like, what? Because we don't really know. Yeah. We don't really say anything. Like, maybe he's been on a quest yeah. for a while or something. But um, I guess it kind of makes it more mysterious. It does. Yeah. Um, but it, it creates it, more tension by the time it happens. Yeah. I just wonder, like, how they um, came up with that change. I don't really know why they made that change. Yeah. You still there, Grayson? Yep. <laughs> what happened? Uh, that one was my fault. Be honest. Uh, I. Oh, you just said it was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Already fessed up to it. <laughs> um. So we've talked about the cave troll. They've had the big fight. Let, should we just go to the Balrog? Uh. Or did you want to talk about? Did either of you want to talk about anything in between? Okay. Well, the mines of Moria. The so yeah, you have the cave troll is great, but I, I do love before that it's even introduced. So the orcs are coming and they close the doors, and that you are. I mean, kind of throughout this whole time, you really get a sense of it. But especially in this scene, it's like Legolas, do not mess with that guy, because mm, like when yeah. he's shooting arrows through a tiny hole in the door to yeah. kill the orcs is so it's like oh so he's cool, cool. yeah he's so cool, and then um. It's just still so like stressful that scene. There's yeah. so much going on, but it's all very well shot. Like I can I can like watch that sheet that scene and like know where everyone is. Yeah, the ge- geography is really clear. Yes. Um and also um this is the first time in the movie that there's really no music. So yeah. it, it provides this extra amount of tension that yeah. you have not experienced yeah. so far in the story. And I it is the second time that Frodo quote unquote almost dies but he's yeah. wearing mithril now yeah uh, really so we're cool. introduced to that i love that is that the okay, first yeah, time so, in the in the movie that they're taking on like an ungodly amount of people yes yes i mean unless you want to count the nine riders i mean that yeah i just in in sheer numbers that's the first time that this smallish party is just fighting like hundreds and hundreds of these creatures and i, yeah. I, I always remember that being really crazy because they do yes. it yes oh yeah and they're like cornered too. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. nowhere they can go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But they just do it. They plow through. And I always forget about Legolas' cool daggers. Because, yeah. you know, he always oh, yeah. has the bow, but he always does the double wheeled daggers. And there's some very cool moves in that scene that he has with those. It's a great advantage to the video game. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Return to the King video game, the best uh, pre 2005 video games. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay, so yeah, they get out, they get back into the corridor when all of these orcs are coming through, like, the ants that we just fought in our apartment. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But lo- it's kind of the, a classic scene of, like, they're surrounded and there's no way they can get out, and then something scarier comes along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the effects on the Balrog is still perfect so yep. to me. So good. And that thing is freaky. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're going through. They they have to cross this bridge, the bridge of Kazadum. And as they're doing it, a lot of those shots, it's actually full CG people that are running. Yeah. So in the special effects, it showed that all of the actors were motion captured. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Which they is can't so run smart. across this bridge. It doesn't right. exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was it's smart doing. I mean, it's kind of it's a no brainer. But motion capturing the actors mm-hmm. is like you have to do that so that you get you can animate like literally how the actor runs not just a random thing running and it's it's wild to me because they show in the special effects the models they were working with and they are so basic i could probably like load them up on my computer today and like mess with them and people would be like that looks kind of crappy 
like I can't believe that they made it look so good. Yeah. Is is the point I'm making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so they do that and then um Gandalf makes his stand and he uh you know, you shall not pass one of the most iconic parts and then he gets um the whip from the Balrog and gets thrown down into the pit. Every time I that. just I just want him to just take a couple steps back from the ledge, <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. 5 10 steps. Yeah. Yeah, and so here's something I thought about this time around is he he's pretty knowing person. And I know that at that scene, it doesn't look like he knows this is going to happen to him. But f- ever since they get into the minds of Moria, there's like a cloud over him. He gets lost. Yeah. He, he's like not, he's not fully in tune as we've seen him with the rest of the movie. And I wonder if that's like his version of like, die- like he's already kind of dying or like the magic is fading and he needs to be reborn as the white. Um, I just wizard. imagine it because of him being more all knowing. He has really great intuition. I just I just think of Dumbledore, uh-huh. like especially in Order. I think it's Order of the Phoenix when Dumbledore's like ignoring Harry. Yeah, and yeah. It, by the end of the movie, he's telling Harry like, "I thought that if I ignored you, um, it would actually save you from a lot of trouble." When obviously it didn't. Yeah, and he's apologizing to him, but it's like, th- like you know, a really great wizard has this great intuition of like, I know that I need to let go of this bridge yeah, and die. It is yeah. time. I don't know what's on the other side. I can only like have an idea about it. Yeah. That's what, that's how I take it. And then he says, fly you fools. Yeah. Um, which is very odd. Cause it always sounds like he says, follow you fools. Yeah. Uh, it always, he somehow turned fly into two syllables and I can never <laughs> like, I've looked at it with the captions on. It does say fly in the book. It says fly. And I just can't figure out how Ian McKellen delivered that line. Yeah, it, it always takes me a minute like the to word process fly. it. Yeah. And um, I know that J.R. Tolkien has never never confirmed this, but it, it's one of the rare, like, actually fun fan theories is that he was trying to alert the Fellowship to get in touch with the Eagles in that line. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's It's not what... From what we know, J.R. Tolkien did not intend that. He meant it like fly, like go, get out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't, don't wait for me. Yeah, um, that's but fun, it is though. kind of fun. Like, oh, then, then you can combat all the people who are like plot hole. They didn't yeah, take the eagles. No, Gandalf knew back in the mines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and that's not the definition of a plot hole. But anyway, so then we get to a part where the third time I cry in this movie. Yeah, same. <laughs> when they, the Lothorian, or that's the song in the soundtrack, yeah. but they get out of the, the mines and they're all sobbing. Dude, you feel and it. It is a yes. heavy. Really feel immediately it. heavy. Especially Sam crying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. So I, I bet. Sam bad. and Frodo really get me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and Aragorn because he he's been so stoic to see him with right, tears. He's shaking. Like, he's shaking. Yeah. And then they have to get going, and when they get to Lothlorien, it it hurts even worse because like Galadriel is like, "There's a darkness. Mm-hmm. Gandalf isn't with you anymore." Right. Mm-hmm. You're like, "Oh, we already don't. You yeah, have I to mean, bring it up." Yeah, Gandalf for was. It up. <laughs> I mean, you know, like Frodo is technically the leader because he's bearing the ring uh-huh. but i mean gandalf was like the leader of the group so now that he's gone right it's just where do they go from here and i i really like that they especially introduction to those elves frodo's looking around and everyone seems to be giving frodo like sideways glances yeah basically like i don't trust him to do this or i don't believe yeah. he can do this mm-hmm. really great touch amazing um yeah so galadriel is I love that uh, they do this effect where she can talk without 
speaking, like without opening her mouth. Very she can cool. talk in your head. Love that. And um, let's do the mirror. That's yeah. Go Grayson, for it. tell us about the mirror of Galadriel. Man, he sees a lot of stuff in there that is not so bright and not so cheery. <laughs> a lot of darkness. And, yeah, a lot of darkness, a lot of peril, a lot of struggles. Um, yeah. This, this is a cool scene, too, because I take it also. I mean, I think it's in the books that that uh, isn't that what she sees and he sees in the books as well in the mirror. It's been so long. OK, I but I, I kind of take it as their their sort of um, them showing like we're not going to show the scouring of the Shire that happens in the books at the end of Return of the King. So here's like a hint of that. Yeah. Because we didn't add that in the movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, if you've if you've read the books, they get back to the Shire after this whole thing's over and Sauron is there and he has like enslaved all of the hobbits. And yeah. so I think this is partially the filmmakers being like, there's that scene for you. Yeah. You're still yeah. giving that scene credit and like a little homage. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's so cool in the books because Galadriel gives Sam the, the like seeds, and then when he goes back to the Shire, he plants them, and, and they're able to like rebuild the Shire. I don't remember that. Yeah, I love that. Wow, and that's great. I'm glad they didn't. It would it would make the ending of Return of the King way too long because you'd have to do like yeah. another like thirty minutes to do that. Yeah. But um, that's so fun when you're reading the book and you're like, wait, Sauron's still around? Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> um, so she gives him gifts. They take off. They go to the falls. There's these amazing statues that they did build models of again. And they're they're still like awe-inspiring when you watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Gollum's still following them. And you're just like, I want to see this character yeah. so bad. Yeah. I couldn't Please. wait. Um, and then... So this whole time they know that they're being tracked by orcs. And at this point it is introduced to us that Urukai have been created. Which is a blend of an orc and a man. Right? Dun, dun, dun. It's it's an um, orc and a man. Well, the orcs are man. the orcs are men corrupted, is no. what he says, and then they've perfected them into urukai. The orcs into urukai. Uh, okay, is okay. is what I believe Sauron says. Sure, could be wrong. And that was this that, that scene where they created him is when I had to be out when I watched this movie when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> Pretty scary. That I scene don't, is gritty, I dude. Yes, it is so intense. I want to know what a physical like what was that thing that they were putting them in like it you know looked like a fetus like a like they were in a placenta or something but i want to like literally know what they used yeah and he like he chokes the guy and then sarmon's like stops the other orc from letting him kill him you're like this is and and that's what really shines when you look back and you think peter jackson doing creature features Mm -hmm. with like um puppets and stuff and you go oh that's why you were able to do this insane scene. Yeah. Totally. Better than anyone else would have done it. Totally. Yeah. Um, and then we finally get to the the falls and they park their boats. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and um Frodo realizes that he needs to do this journey alone. And mm. um he's kind of attacked by Boromir, who is um like the ring overpowers his desire. Yeah, I just love Boromir's character because he he is a the perfect representation of man. Yeah. Just yeah. like of, in his mind he's do he wants to do this all for good, but it is it all comes from a selfish place. Like right. he wants to mm-hmm. do it for the good of Gondor. Right. For the good of men. And he is very susceptible to the ring's power because of that selfish nature. Mm-hmm. And it's like we all can identify with Boromir. And Absolutely. I am a big sucker for redemption because mm-hmm. we all need it. And the it's just like 
seeing seeing him fall solo and attack Frodo, and then immediately once the ring is outside of his like vicinity, he's like, "Frodo, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. What, what, yeah, what have I done?" And you're like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is insane." Yeah. And um, another great touch. That's the first chapter of the Two Towers. They they kept yeah. this in the in the Fellowship, which yeah. puts a good ending on the Fellowship. It yeah. works in the books, of course. The books are perfect, but um, that was great. And then the Urukai attack. There's that shot where you see Vigo Mortensen break his ankle and mm-hmm. get up and continue to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Been doing it before Tom Cruise, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, there's that insane like boss orc that you're like, man, <laughs> if- it's an Urukai. Does he have a name? Ur-Kai? Yeah, he does. I, I let me look it up. I, cause- it's like, oh man, whenever they make the video game, he's gonna yeah, be he's, so he's the hard boss, to beat for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's got like his eye is just like shut the whole time. His yeah. left his left or right eye, and he's just shooting Boromir, and Boromir falls down, and Merry and Pippin are taken. I think it's Lurts. Lurtz. But there are there are two of them, so I'm trying to find the other name. But one of them is Lurtz. Okay. Lurtz sounds to me like the orcs that are in the two towers that are That's um, the name though. Okay. Like because yeah, that's that's the name. Oh, maybe that's just him. Lurtz. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um Frodo gets away, but before he does. I mean, do you want to take this, Jordan? Um, wait, did you talk about Boromir? Did I talk about Boromir so, well, Grayson Miriam enough? Pip- yeah, I, well, yeah. Good. I'll also say about Boromir is I. I mean, I think he's really shady the entire movie, and I'm just not a mm-hmm. big fan of him until he fights back with mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. arrow after arrow after arrow going into him, and you're Gosh. like, okay, he's still like devoted to this cause somewhat, and like a part of it, and I respect him a little bit now. But totally. that's always my perception and, and- of Boromir is like, ugh, right. But once you see his dad, you kind of like yeah. understand Boromir a lot more. Absolutely. And understand that he was the favorite son. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And you're kind of like, how would he have turned out different? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess he may have turned out like Faramir, who we'll find out about in the next book yeah. or movie. Um, uh, but I was just, did, I, did you mention that uh, Miriam Pippin? Uh, get taken. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I was looking for Alert's name. I know. I know. Okay. So yeah. So Frodo goes back to the, to the beach and starts going to the other side of the river and Ugh. Sam comes out and he's like, Mr. Frodo, you're not <laughs> oh, leaving without me. The fourth time I cried in this movie. <laughs> I'm going four. Sam. Yeah. And yeah, he's like, I know you are and I'm coming with you. And I really like the effect that they did. Cause he, were they actually underwater? Was he actually underwater in that effect? I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting effect when yeah, he's It's very drowning. dreamlike and like painting looking. It doesn't yeah. look real, Let but in a good way. Let me say the, the power play that Sam pulls by just going into the water, knowing that both of them <laughs> know he can't swim. It's like, I'm coming with you and you have to save me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going right. to drown yeah. before I let you go some, somewhere. Either like, I yourself. come with you or my death is on your hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like, that's a power play, dude. Go Sam. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> So Frodo saves him, pulls him into the boat, and Sam is telling him, "It's like I made one promise before going on the trip. Made a promise, Mister Frodo. And it was to keep to stay with you the whole it's time. True. He I did. don't mean to go back. That's right. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And and I love how throughout all this, like Aragorn has that moment with Frodo where he is tempted by the ring and he is able to reject it. And when they when they get through all this crazy fighting." Um, and there's that insane shot where that goes over the forest as they're all running and it's like yeah. 10 seconds long. Yeah. 
and I th- they must have hooked up cables or something. I don't know how they did it. Um, but like Aragorn just knows he knows that it's time. He has kind of that knowing wisdom of a wizard almost, where he's like, okay, the fellowship, yes, it's over, but we have to go save these two hobbits, Frodo and Sam. They'll be taken care of. We and have it's to as trust if that. He's trusting that their stories will connect again. Yeah, I love that on. moment so much. Yeah, and I love that Gimli gets so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all right, the three of we're arc. just gonna. It's just the three of them, right? At yes. that point, yeah. yeah. It's like we're we're gonna do it, but there's still a job for us. There's still a purpose. Yeah. It's just a little mm-hmm. different. I'm now. Smiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And and I I love. I mean, this is something we've already talked. We talked about this in our Guardians of the Galaxy two episode. Um, and and I don't know if this was Tolkien's thought process or what. Um, but something we've noticed about sequels that that do something really interesting and we'll get into it more next week is you break up the team and then they have to explore different dynamics with, right within the team mm-hmm. yeah um like empire strikes back does it uh guardians of the galaxy this movie does it there's so, it's stranger things i think three did it and that season mm-hmm. like yes was way better than the second one where they all just stayed together the whole time yeah, yeah. so um it's it, it's really interesting that it that that happens at the end of this story and it, it it just feels like sometimes we watch a movie and it feels like there's a writer behind it making sure that it gets to a certain point and this series just doesn't feel that way it just feels like this is a real story and we're just following these characters to the natural yeah. conclusion yeah. and i would say too the the importance of breaking up a character breaking up the pact to explore different character dynamics also allows new characters to be introduced. Yeah. But like it it does them all justice because there's more room for them to do it. Yeah. Cause we get some good characters coming up. (laughs) Um, so that is the fellowship of the ring. I think we, I think we may have covered it by the end of this episode. You might think they, we covered it. Yes. Uh, what do you think, Grayson? You got any? You got any final thoughts that you want to talk about? Um, I just Anything had a, we missed? It was just a really good watch for me last night. Just I, I'm really, <laughs> I've always loved Aragorn and his story and his background, but something about my watch last night just made me. I think I'll probably end up watching Two Towers and Return of the King, even though I just watched the whole series. Um, <laughs> I'm just like I, I want to see how everything plays out. I love his his background, and there's a lot of story to. Mm-hmm. be told um yeah it was just a good watch and i love that every time i watch it there's something new and just something yeah. that makes me feel have, have you read the books grayson it's been a long time like, okay like mid- middle school cool. yeah oh yeah yeah it's yeah, something I've... i i would like to revisit at some point for sure they're just so good yeah yeah and it's just a different it's it's just so great because they're they're different but they're they're so similar yeah. So yeah. they're just both so enjoyable. Because the movies capture the essence. Yeah. And they're just, it truly feels magical. Yeah. And it's like, this movie, one of the special direct effects guys in one of the documentaries on the special feature said, hopefully if we've done our job right, you're not going to really notice our job. Yeah. And I think when you watch the movie, you don't really. I, I agree with that for sure. And I mean, we're like it's, you said, we're coming up on the 20 year anniversary <laughs> and- there's a lot of like crazy stuff like this is 2001 think about what else was going on around then and there's like yeah man there's there's a lot and it's just kind of seamless like you don't really have to think about it too much like it's a very cool cool part of it to think about but it's not like definitely not distracting to the story or to the, the way it's being told 
No, it's it's just amazing. Yeah. I love it so much. Uh, what about you, Jordan? Any any closing thoughts? Love. That's my <laughs> closing thought. Love. Um, <laughs> love. I uh, I listeners sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. You can sign up for the $3 tier if you just want um, our exclusive episode of the month. This month, we are doing Finding Nemo, which came out um, two days ago. And then next month, we'll do Finding Dory. So we're doing the two sequels. It's the MPU, the sequel. Um, nice. So check that out. Um, and then, Grayson, do you have anything you want to plug or where people can follow you or anything like that? Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, still unemployed, so I've been doing a lot of Twitter uh, I mean, what's your handle, though, dude? Come on. I can't remember, right? It's it's Gray Phelps, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, just... No, yeah, <laughs> just Grayson Phelps. It's just my name. No problem. Wow, With there you PH. go. That's you gonna got be it. in the title. Yeah. So. You got um, it? I'd, yeah, I mean, I had it in 2009, so there you go. Oh. Uh, wow, I'm and then I'd like to stolen. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to plug Human by Everett out now on Sonic yes, Falcon cool. Records. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, definitely check out the EP. We put a lot of hard work into it, and it almost didn't come out because of some things that were outside of our control. So please listen to it. Yeah, it's been over a year since we've recorded it. I'm so excited. So that's definitely out now and would love for people to listen to it because we're really proud of it. Yeah, that'll have been out uh, two weeks ago. So if you have already listened to it, give it another listen today. And make sure and rate and review, folks. Get, pump our numbers up, please. Get those numbers please. going. So just remember, closing thoughts. There's one ring to rule them. One ring. Ah. What? Three, two, one. One ring, ring to, to rule them all. Rule them all. One, one ring, ring to, to find them. them. One, one ring, ring to, to rule, rule them, them all. all. And in and the darkness, find them. Bind them. <laughs> nice Thanks job. for listening, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>